0: They've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, the 29th day of December, 2023. We are on the fifth day of the octave of Christmas, and we want to begin here with the Angelus. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, May by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ, our Lord. Amen. We ask the angels to join us here. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaot, Pleni Sun et Terra, Gloria tua, Hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, Hosanna in excelsis. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful, and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that in the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord, amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. So we have this document and there's been a lot of concern and talk. And, you know, one of the things we have to remember is that Jesus Christ founded his church and he promised that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And he promised that he would be with his church always, that he would not abandon it. So Christ hasn't abandoned his church. Yes, we're living in confusing times, but we need to look to Christ for the answers. And we need to look to, remember There's a sacred deposit of faith that Jesus entrusted to his church. Scripture is part of that sacred deposit. It's not the whole sacred deposit. That sacred deposit is sacred tradition and sacred scripture, and the magisterium of the church is the authentic interpreter of that. So, fiduci supplicans, and it's interesting, I looked up you know, what is what does this mean? Fiduci supplicans. Well it's real it's funny nowadays anybody can speak Latin. All you have to do is go to Google. <laughs> Imploring confidence. So fiducia is confidence and supplicans is supplicating. So we're supplicating in confidence. We're supplicating the Lord for his blessings. And the the de- the decree here that the that came out from the doctrine of the faith that the Holy Father signed, um, is not is not changing any church teaching regarding marriage and family. And it's very, very clear that um, marriage is between one man and one woman, and that if someone who's in an irregular relationship, that means living outside of God's plan for marriage and family. So that person can come to a priest and ask for a blessing, and the document itself, I'm kind of summarizing here, the document presumes that the person, if he's going to go, he or she is going to go to a priest and ask for a blessing, is already um, wanting to be closer to the Lord. And so what we have to do, and we're always supposed to presume goodwill on the part of anyone, including our enemies. That's part of the charity that we owe to others. We're all made in the image and likeness of God. We've got to go back to Genesis in the beginning. This is what St. John Paul II did in his theology of the body. Let's go back to the beginning. How was man made? God said, let us make man in our image. So in the divine image, he made them. Male and female, he created them. So he created Adam and he created Eve. And he creates Adam first and he leaves Adam to discover that there's no one like himself by giving Adam the assignment of naming all the animals. And he names them all and he does not find a suitable partner. Adam had to discover his aloneness. He had to discover his need so that he wouldn't take for granted the gift that's going to be given to him by God. It's not like Eve is an afterthought. Adam had to learn something first. Despite the fact that he's created in the state of grace, he has infused knowledge, but he doesn't have experiential knowledge. And so... God creates Eve, and when, after he puts Adam into a deep sleep, he takes out a rib from Adam, and he builds up a woman, and then he brings Eve to Adam. And Adam said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for out of her man has she been taken. And therefore, a man shall cling to his wife, leave his father and mother and cling to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This was God's design for marriage. And what God has joined together, man must not put us under. And why? Why is this so important? Well, you know, it's interesting. When Terry and I were going together and we were engaged, we read a book called Three to Get Married by Fulton J. Sheen. And the first five chapters of that book are Trinitarian Theology. And by the time you get to chapter five, it, your eyes begin to open. And maybe those of you who aren't so slow as I am, your eyes would open sooner. There's a reason for that. You see, the family, husband, wife, and children are supposed to reflect the inner relationship of the Trinity, the relationship of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to one another and with one another within their own interior Personal, interpersonal life. So you have one God, three divine persons. And as St. John Paul II said, God is the original family. You see, God modeled the human family after himself. God modeled the family, the human family, to reflect and to show the world the life that God is in and of himself. Remember, God doesn't have life, He is life. God doesn't have light, He is light. God doesn't have truth; He is truth. God doesn't have love; He is love. God is, and He is the source of all that is. He is. He, he speaks the word, and it happens. That story. If those of you who are listening to the Terry and Jesse show, and we talked about our grandson and our grandson, well, you know, how can God call us all to heaven? Well, he, he just does. He calls him to heaven. Well, how can you walk to heaven? He says, you know, you, I said, Well, actually your body dies and God calls you. And because when God speaks the word, it happens. And did we ever see this in the scriptures? Well, let's see. Um, in the beginning, God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God said, Let the earth teem with vegetation, let the earth team with the animals, it's you know, the seas and the rivers, and God called it forth. He spoke the word and it happened in the gospels. Jesus is in a boat, and he's sleeping, and his apostles are scared. These are fishermen. They've been on the Sea of Galilee. They've been in stores before, and they're terrified. So this is a bad storm. And they wake him. Lord, we perish. Aren't you going to do something? And, I, and, and Jesus says, what's wrong? And he stands up in the boat, and he says to the storm, quiet, be still. By his word, he commands the powers of nature, and they obey, because he is God. Now, the difficulty with man is God wanted a creature who would love him. And so he gave us a free will. So God could have created, as Bishop Sheen says, a universe of automatons, but a universe of automatons cannot love. So he created a universe with human beings in it, angels and human beings, who have a free will they can choose freely whether, to not, whether or not they're going to love the God who made them. And that's the choice that lies before each one of us. And this, this whole declaration where it talks about marriage and family, and I really want to focus on marriage and family and what it is and what it means so that we understand how we are supposed to be before God as human beings. We are his very dear children, but we're made in his image very dear children, excuse me, who are made in his image, and we are supposed to image him to the whole world, which means we are supposed to love. And we don't go around condemning people or excluding people, but sin divides us. And this is what happened in the beginning. Adam and Eve were at perfect peace with each other and with God. And they could converse freely with God and then enter in Satan the first rebel against God, the fallen angel, Lucifer. And he's there in the garden and he doesn't speak to Adam. He speaks to Eve. Oh, is it really true that God told you not to eat of any of the trees of the garden? He's already twisting what God has done. He's already planting doubt about God's goodness. Oh, no, 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 no. God didn't say just this, just this tree that I happen to be standing under and looking at and realizing it's very beautiful and it looks really good to eat. This is the only one he said we can't eat from. What are you doing there, Eve? What are you doing there, Adam? Why are you there? God told you not to touch that tree, not to touch the fruit of that tree, not to eat it. And there you are, gazing at it, tempting yourselves. And so the serpent says, Oh, why? And Eve says, oh, We're going to have to finish this story on this side of that break. I hear that music. I want to thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for supporting us. If you want to give an end-of-the-year donation, call 877-526-2151. Don't go away. We will be back with more on the family and how we are supposed to image God in our families and what happens in society when we don't. So don't go away. We'll be back with more.
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers if you have a question or comment call 888-526-2151 here's terry and mary danielle
1: welcome welcome back to bible with the barbers on this friday the 29th day of december in 2023 the new calendar year is fast approaching we've already begun the new liturgical year And this Sunday, we do celebrate a very special feast. The Sunday that falls between Christmas and New Year's is the Feast of the Holy Family. So we want to look at the family. And in light of fiducia supplicans, has the church changed her teaching on marriage? No, she hasn't changed her teaching on marriage. And we have to read. You know, it's interesting. These documents come out. And oftentimes what we do is we don't read the document ourselves and we read what other people say, or we listen to what other people say, and we get a summary, but we don't actually sit down and read the whole document. So we need to take time to do that. This one is not particularly long. And then look up the footnotes. And this is what we have to do in the teachings of the Church. We look up the footnotes. It's like the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Look at the footnotes. And again, in Vatican II, as I've encouraged you many times, read the documents and read the footnotes. Vatican II was not a break with tradition. So we want to remember that man is made in God's image, okay? Now, God is not made in man's image, okay? And I remember once a theologian, he was saying that the the Holy Spirit is like the mother in the family. I would beg to differ with him. And um, I would say, no, the mother in the family, in some sense, reflects the work of the Holy Spirit. Do you see the difference? I don't really know how to explain it, other than to say that you know God is not Father and Mother. God is our Father, and that's how He revealed Himself. Our Father, the Church is our Mother, and as a matter of fact, in this document, um, the Church is referred to as our Mother. We know that our Mother, the Blessed Virgin Mary, is our Mother. So we have a Mother in Heaven and a Mother on Earth. We have our birth Mother, you um, know, our baptismal Godmother. We have maybe we're adopted. We have an adopted mother. Um, we have. Holy Mother, the Church, is our mother, but we have the Blessed Virgin Mary also. So Holy Mother Church is our mother, and she is Mater et Magister. Why? Because the Blessed Virgin Mary is Mater et Magister. And so God made the human family to reflect himself. God is not a reflection of the human family. The human family is supposed to be a reflection of God, okay? So we don't look to the human family to know who God is in and of himself. But the human family should reflect God in such a way that it awakens in us a desire to know, love, and serve the Lord our God. You know, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, Bishop Sheen met her early on in her career, I guess you would say, as as a missionary of charity after soon founding. He met her in an airport and he said, Mother, you have personally evangelized 15,000 people. What did you say to them? And she kind of chuckled and she looked at him and she said, I didn't say anything but I did love them. She picked up dying people out of the streets and she cleaned them and she gave them dignity. And then she would ask him a question. She said, I would ask him, do you know Jesus? Well, who's Jesus? Is he anything like you, mother? I mean, here, my, my children throw me out in the street because I'm dying and they throw me on a, a garbage heap or a dunghill. Literally, this is what was happening. And she would pick these people up and take them in and treat them with dignity and respect and love. And they felt the love. And she told her missionaries of charity sisters, she would say, if you can't do this with joy, go home because these people need to see the joy of the Lord. And mother would say to them, is he anything like me? Oh, no, 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 no. But I do try to be like him. And again, is God anything like the human family? No, 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 no. But every human family should strive to be like God. And that's what we're striving for. And and what divides us? Well, back to Adam and Eve, right? So here they are in the garden. They're underneath the tree that God told them not to eat from. Whoops! Um, you know it's called the near occasion of sin. And the serpent comes along. The serpent who happens to be a devil. He happens to be a, a not a um, <laughs> uh, he's not a, um, a dumb animal. He's actually an angel disguised as a serpent, a fallen angel, a demon who wants to trip Adam and Eve up and get them to sin, to not trust God anymore. And he says, oh, so God told you that if you eat of the tree, and and Eve says to him, Eve says, well, God told us not to eat of the tree of the fruit of this tree, not even to touch it or we should die. And, and oh, the servants, oh, really? God knows you won't die. He knows that you will come to know good and evil and you will be like God. Oh. And Eve saw that the tree was desirable for food and for the knowledge that it could give. She's coveting the knowledge of God. She wants to be God. Grasping, grasping, grasping. She wants to be God without his help. It won't be the last time that man is tempted to try to get to heaven or be God without God's help. And so she takes the fruit and eats it and gives some to Adam who is with her. Adam standing there, not saying anything. Adam who was supposed to defend the garden. And he didn't sin out of fear of death. There might've been some type of fear of losing Eve if he didn't go along. But what immediately happens Adam and Eve realized they're naked. Well, what's that a problem for? Well, when God made them, he made them an original innocence. And so their being naked wasn't a problem because he gave them preternatural gifts, gifts that were above and beyond their nature. And one of those gifts was the complete directing of all the faculties of their body by the intellect and the will So the intellect was made to know the good. The will was made to choose the good. And so the intellect clearly knows that God is the true good that you are to choose. And the will freely chooses that. And so all the faculties of the body are perfectly subject to that intellect and will. And Adam and Eve eat the fruit. And all of a sudden, boom, that integrity is gone. Integrity wasn't ours by nature. It was a gift, a preternatural gift, a gift above and beyond our nature, and it was gone. And now they look at each other, and they're no longer persons to be loved. They're objects to be used, commodities to be bought and sold, um, objects of manipulation, domination. Read Pope John Paul II's The Dignity and Vocation of Women, he goes into this very deeply. It's beautiful. And it helps us to understand. So you see, what divides us is sin. And right away, Adam and Eve, okay, they sew fig leaves together to make loincloths for themselves. You know, where do you think the French men, the French designer, whatever his name was, got the idea for the bikini? All he had to do was read Genesis, you know? Adam and Eve sewed loin claws together for themselves. So God's in the garden and he calls to Adam and Adam's hiding. Why are you hiding, Adam? Oh, because I realized I was naked. Oh, who told you you were naked, Adam? You've eaten from the tree. I told you not to eat. Oh, oh, but, but, but God, it was the woman, the woman, the woman that you put here with me. I'm going to pass the buck. I'm not going to take responsibility. And the woman's like, that, 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 oh, oh, the serpent. The serpent tricked me. The serpent tricked me. And he made me do it. Well, the serpent didn't have anybody to blame. So God just said, on your belly shall you crawl. And, you know, Satan, he's going to be there. He's always going to be there trying to tempt us. But if we call on God, the serpent has no power over us. Okay. The fathers of the church and um, St. Thomas Aquinas, I believe, say that had Adam taken responsibility for his actions, the punishment God gave him would not have had to been so severe. But Adam and Eve didn't take responsibility for their actions. So remember this, when we sin, man up. And that goes for all of us, male and female, man up. Stand up and say, you know what? I did it and I'm sorry. Be, and if you're not sorry, say, Lord, I need the grace to be sorry. I want to want to be sorry, help me. You know, Lord, I believe, help thou my unbelief. So we're supposed to image God. We're made in his image. We're supposed to reflect him. We're supposed to draw others to him by the love that we show. We're supposed to be a free-flowing channel of his love to everyone around us. And the family is father, mother, and the children with whom God blesses. And the family should be open to life. Now, in our 20th century, and this started before the 20th century, but really badly in the 20th century... There's been this tremendous attack on life. We have actually now what Pope John Paul II called a culture of death. But that culture of death is rooted in a pleasure culture. It's rooted in, I want to live for myself. I want to live for my own pleasure and my own comfort and ease and um, don't disturb me. Children disturb me. So that's inconvenient. So I'll get rid of them somehow. Oh, well, let's contracept them out of existence. And then Planned Parenthood spread the lie that, well, you know, if, if, we, if we had everybody using contraceptives, we wouldn't need to have induced abortion. Oh, really? Is that really the case? Well, then why was it Planned Parenthood that you legalized contraceptives, artificial contraceptives in the United States of America, in all 50 states, before you tried to legalize abortion? In 1968, Griswold versus Connecticut, five years before they pushed on Roe versus Wade. They try, they legalized the sale of contraceptives in all because they fail. And they're not contraceptive, by the way, in all cases. Many contraceptives are, are abortifacients, but sometimes they don't even do that. A lot of women have conceived children when they're taking contraceptives. So the idea was to get people to be promiscuous, to disregard the law of God, to start living for pleasure. And then, of course, the child is just an inconvenient consequence. Children are not a burden. That's not what God made. Did you read Psalm 127? Children are a gift from the Lord, a blessing, the fruit of the womb. Like the arrows in the quiver of a warrior. Oh, the happiness of the man who has filled his quiver with these arrows. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. So when you get a widespread use of contraception, and Planned Parenthood knew this, this was a deliberate plan, then you can sell abortion as a backup contraceptive. Oh, your contraceptives fail. Well, we can take care of that. And, but you have to have a little genetic engineering of words, because if you tell people, well, we're going to kill your baby, they're going to, wait a minute, what are you talking about? Well, uh, yeah, abortion, and by the way, contraceptives, and by the way, an IUD And all of you women out there who the doctor has tricked into putting an IUD in or hasn't tricked into it, you know, an IUD is just an abortifacient. It doesn't prevent the conception of a child. It just makes it impossible for that child to implant in the womb. Now, maybe they add chemicals to it now, so it's a little more complicated than that. But it's very dangerous for you. It can cause you all kinds of problems. So have it removed because it's hurting you and it's also destroying your dignity Why is God so concerned about whether or not the family images him? Well, because when man doesn't image God, who does he image? Man becomes worse than an animal. So the the perfect harmony that God created between Adam and Eve, right away, as soon as they sin, beep, 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 they're at each other. Fighting, fighting, bickering, bickering. Your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault. Don't go away. We'll be back. I hear that music again. I must be having a great time. Let us pray for the family. Let us pray for one another. And don't go away. Invite your friends and family to join us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio.
0: Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barber today. (laughs) So we're uh, talking about this new document and um, it's it's a point about, you know, possibly expanding blessings. Well, what are blessings? And you have all through the Old Testament, you have blessings. You know, when God makes Adam and Eve, he blesses them and says, be fruitful and multiply. He blesses everything that he makes. God blessed everything that he made. He blesses, um, you know, you have Genesis 1, and 28, God blessing. You have uh, Noah and, and his sons are blessed by God in Genesis 9, 1 and following. And then you have the special priestly blessing that God gave in Numbers 6, through 27. The Lord bless and keep you. The Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you kindly and give you peace. And then you have... Um, people blessing God. You know, we have the praises of God in the book of Daniel and get Daniel three fifty-two through 90. Um, all you works so of the Lord, bless the Lord, praise and exalt him above all forever. And it, it's beautiful. It goes on and on the blessing. We're supposed to bless God. We're supposed to praise him. We're supposed to exalt in his holiness. We're supposed to be like him. And, and again, as, you know, Jesse was closing out his show. Do we know him? How can we love him if we do not know him? And if we do not know him and love him, how can we serve him or be like him? We can't be like him if we don't know him. And then we have Jesus' blessing. And we have, you know, it's interesting. The children, remember Mark 10, 13 through 16, the women are bringing their, the mothers are bringing their children to Jesus for him to bless them. And the apostles, the master's, the masters tired, go away, go away. And Jesus, Jesus scolded his apostles. And we still have this problem in the church today. There are many who do not want children in church. And, you know, with all due respect, a monastery is a monastery, okay? Don't go in and disrupt a monastery. And your children don't have to be disruptive. Do your best to train your children. I remember Steve Wood telling us, what you do as the father of the family, when when the child is about 11 months old, they have prayer time at home every day as a family. You gather, and when the child, when the baby is eleven months old, the father starts holding the baby, and don't let the baby run around and do whatever it wants while you're praying, because you're practicing for when you're in church, so that the baby learns that the baby can sit still for a little while and be held, and it you don't have to run around. And, and uh, the older children also see this. And and so then when you bring them to church on Sunday, it's easier for them to sit still, but you can bring them a, a book, a Bible book to read. You can bring them paper and, and to write on. Um, and you can explain to them the mass. Tell them what's going on. Explain it to them. Try and excite their imaginations to picture the angels who are surrounding them and the saints who are there. I'm not perfect at this, but you try. But... The idea that, you know, when you go to a parish church and there has to be total silence in the church, you know, I, I always remember those those crying rooms when I was a teenager growing up. And they, they, they didn't start putting those in churches until the 1940s and 50s when contraceptives started entering in and people started seeing children as a burden. You know, and, um, you know, there are some priests who are especially from the Hispanic community who they're not bothered by the sound of children because Hispanic families take their children to mass. But oftentimes, um, Anglos don't. And so if a child makes any noise in church, as soon as they make noise, everybody's glaring at them. How dare you have that child in this church? You know. So they made these little tiny crying rooms that were no bigger than, to behold, 10 or 15 people, much less in, you know, in a parish of 5,000 families. All the families who have babies, if you're open to life and, and accepting life as God sends it, they're going to fit in that little space. Well, maybe that little space should be reserved for those who are bothered by the sound of children at mass. And, and we pray for our priests that they could understand. Now, granted, if you've got a four-year-old who's thrown a temper tantrum and they're really disrupting the mass, you take them outside and you discipline them. I'm not saying you beat them up, give them a timeout, and you say, no, this is not acceptable. And you're going to go back in there and you're going to sit quietly but right now you need a timeout because you need to take a deep breath and you need to get a hold of yourself. Impulse control. Children can learn impulse control because how is the child going to learn to love God if the child is not brought into God's presence? And how are they going to be brought into God's presence if nobody prays with them? And especially if no one takes them to church. So Jesus blessed the little children. And you can you can look that up in Matthew, excuse me, in Mark 10, 13 through 16, which is probably in Matthew, also in Luke. And then you have other blessings, right? You have him blessing the apostles at the ascension. and He raised his hand in blessing over them as he leaves. But he blessed other things. He blessed the loaves to feed the 5,000 and the 4,000. There are two separate events in the scriptures. It's not one event told two different ways. It's two separate events. The 5,000 in Mark 6, 34 following. The 4,000 in Mark 8, 1 through 9 Okay. And then at the last supper he blesses bread. Only now it's different because he blesses it and changes it into his own body, blood, soul and divinity and it becomes the food for our soul, the food for the journey. It becomes Christ nourishing us, nourishing us. Okay, so that's that's a little bit about blessings and so this document by the way, if you ever see an I in Latin, it doesn't say I. It says E. The I in Latin says long E. Okay, so fiducia supplicans. The church reiterates her teaching on marriage, that marriage is between one man and one woman, and no blessing that Anyone asks for, be it a couple um, in an irregular marriage they're, not, they're living in fornication or they're living in um, adultery, two, two people who have been divorced and they're remarried outside the church, or um, whatever the situation is, or two people of the same sex living together, the church can't bless that union, okay it can't be a marriage, and the church cannot bless it. Why? because it goes against what God has made. The church can't change what God made. God made marriage for the union of man and woman in a particular friendship and union that is open to life, open to the possibility of children. Now, yes, some people are sterile and can't have children, but there's nothing in the nature of that person that says they couldn't have children. Two people of the same sex cannot have children together. They can't, okay? (laughs) Because that's not what God made. It goes against the natural law. And I understand the trials in terms of, I've read about the struggles and I've read, but I also know that there are thousands and thousands of people who have found the freedom of realizing that, no, God didn't make you homosexual. God didn't make any of us sinners. God didn't make you know, me an adulteress, a, a fornicator, a, a liar, a thief, a murderer. You know, God didn't make Cain a murderer. oh you know, Well, well you know, there was homosexuality in the Old Testament, so it's okay. Well, there was murder in the Old Testament. There was lying, there was cheating, there was stealing. You know, there was war, there, so it's, it's okay? No, because of sin, we don't live according to what God made us to live by. So we need to beg God every day for the grace, you know, for the grace to be faithful to what God has called us to. And by nature, marriage is ordered to the good of the spouses, the man and the woman, one man and one woman, joined together for life, for the procreation and education of children. And by the way, when we have children, we have a responsibility to take care of, to educate, to nurture those children. And putting a child in front of a a screen, a computer screen, a tablet screen, a phone screen, you know, all day long, that's not nurturing a child. That's letting a child live in isolation. That's, That's the worst punishment you can impose upon them. We were made to live in relationship. God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in relationship with one another. They always work together. They're always in love with each other. They're always pouring out love. They're always generating life and and giving life and love to one another. That's what marriage is supposed to be doing. So our little children, we need to to put aside our wants as adults to take care of our children, to spend time with them, to read to them, to teach them, especially the faith. Teach them how much they are loved by Jesus, that they're made in God's image. Teach them that God has a mission for them, that there's a purpose for them. And what causes homosexuality is sin. And I'm not saying it's necessarily the personal sin of the individual who feels the homosexual attraction. Many times, the homosexual was abused, molested, or neglected as a child. Dr. Cameron and Dr. Nicolosi both did a lot of work with homosexual men. And Dr. Cameron came to the conclusion that any male, two, not any male, two out of three boys whose first sexual experiences with another male will turn out homosexual. Two out of three, two thirds. Dr. Nicolosi discovered that Homosexual men are looking for the father they never had. They're looking for the father they never had. And what often happens is when the father abandons the family, coaches, neighbors, other men step in and start taking advantage and molesting the boys. And this is what the breakdown of the family with the whole culture of death, and I'm just living for myself, you know, the marriage doesn't feel good anymore, well, I get another one then. I'm going to walk away. You know, no fault divorce. No, this is not God's plan. We work out our differences. We strive, you know, watch The jeweler Shop. Pope John Paul II, he wrote the play as Carol Wotiwa with The jeweler Shop, and that was translated, and and it was made into a movie, um, The Jeweler's Shop. But it it explores this, the reality of, Love can die within a marriage because we start taking each other for granted and because we don't forgive and ask forgiveness when we hurt one another. And we we get angry and anger kills love. And after years and years, we actually look at the person we married and we think, oh, I hate you. Oops, what do we do about that? Well, I hear the music, so don't go away. We have one more section in today's show. Be right back.
0: Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call triple eight five two six twenty one fifty one. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle.
1: Welcome, welcome back to the final section of the Bible with the Barbers on this last Friday of the year, two thousand twenty three, December twenty ninth. So, what does this document say, and what is it um, not? What is it not doing, as it were? Fiducia supplicans. Fiducia Well, it says that marriage is between a man and a woman and that the church can only bless marriage and it can only have a ceremony and a liturgical ritual for marriage, true marriage. Marriage is between one man and one woman and it is indissoluble for life and it's open to life. It's open to the possibility of God blessing the, the couple with children. This document does not say that a person can live in sin. It does not say that it's okay for people to live in a fornication relationship or an adulterous relationship. It does not say that it's okay for people to live active homosexuality. It does not say that. As a matter of fact, it says that, it says in such cases, in number 31, a blessing may be imparted upon those who, recognizing themselves to be destitute and in need of help, do not claim a legitimation of their own status, but who beg that all that is true, good, and humanly valid in the lives and relation in their lives and relationship be enriched. Humanly valid. When it's humanly valid, that means that it makes us more like God. Sin does not make us more like God. And I'm sorry, I truly am from the depth of my heart for all of those of you out there who have been molested or neglected to the point where you are confused in your sexuality, that you don't recognize who you are as a child of God made either male or female, and that's in your DNA. So if you're not sure have a DNA check made and find out and then beg God for the grace to accept the beauty and goodness of who you are as God made you because God loves you and he's given you a mission. He has a mission for you. And I know there are a lot of people out there who are hurt, particularly for the breakdown of the family and the neglect of little children who haven't been taken care of, okay? And there's a lot of pain and God can heal that pain. Okay. So it doesn't legitimize the status of people who are living in relationships that are not marriage. Okay. It's not legitimizing those. And it's not legitimizing their being um, active or trying to act out conjugal relations in those relationships. And, And you can't, you know, in homosexual sex, it's not natural. It's not natural. It's against the law of nature. And it has really devastating consequences for the people who engage in it. The church in number 40 says, there's no intention to legitimize anything. Rather, the person should open one's life to God to ask for the help to live better, to invoke the Holy Spirit so the values of the gospel may be lived with greater faithfulness, the values of the gospel. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, thou shalt not commit adultery. And by the way, that covers fornication, masturbation, all sins against the sixth commandment, all sins against purity and chastity. We're all called to live a chaste life. And some people are called to be celibate. You know? Some people are born eunuchs from birth; they're incapable of sexual activity. Some people are made eunuchs by other people. And back in the day, remember they would castrate men. For instance, if a you know a king, he would, if he put a woman, in, if he had a harem, and he would put a man in charge of his harem, he would castrate the man, so he couldn't uh, he he couldn't engage in uh, sexual activity with the women of the king's harem, but we can also consecrate our sexual faculty to God and offer it to him as a gift. You know, the Blessed Virgin Mary never intended to have marital relations with Joseph. That's very clear in the Gospel of Luke when Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know man? The Blessed Virgin Mary was not an unwed mother. She was betrothed to Joseph, and Joseph was her husband, Look at Matthew 1, I believe it's verses 9 and following, 9 through 25, and Luke. She was betrothed. That was a real marriage. But she had no relations with a man and didn't intend to. She intended to remain a virgin. We can vow our virginity to God. And if we've been molested or are confused in our sexual identity, maybe we can take a temporary vow and ask the Lord to bring us healing in that confusion so that until we come to a point where we recognize and accept ourselves as who we are. You know, when people have been molested and raped and um, neglected, it's it brings this terrible reality within the psyche where the psyche, our, our, our emotions are constantly lying to us about who we are and how lovable we are. So we want to turn to God in prayer and we want to understand that the church is not saying it's okay for homosexuals to live together in sexual relations they're not saying that we can have homosexual marriage they're not saying that we can have even the remarriage of people who are divorced um, unless it's been declared that their their first marriage was annulled um, or that people can live in fornication and and then consider themselves in good standing with god You see, sin degrades the human person and it destroys the image of God within us. The church can't change what God made. God made the natural law. He made us. He made us male and female. And he made us to be in relation with one another in a family. And God made the family to be a reflection of his own inner life. And so we have to strive to do this. We have to strive to pray every day. You know, it's interesting. Mother, somebody, Mother Teresa said, you know, people ask me what my secret is. It's simple. I pray. When my husband and I used to, when our kids were in high school, they were like, well, mom, and dad, you you went out to parties and drank when you were in high school. You were, you know, you tried dope. You, you know, had fun with the guys and the girls. And no, we didn't. We were kind of dull. You know, your dad was so into baseball that he wasn't doing anything but playing baseball. And he did go to church on Sunday with his family, obviously. And he, he said his prayers every day. And by the time he was 14, he was going to daily mass. So yeah, he was, he was into his faith. And so was I, by the grace of God, because our, fam- our parents raised us in the faith and taught us to pray. And so there were certain temptations that we didn't have. We weren't tempted to go out and get drunk or do drugs or commit fornication by the grace of God. And so that was nothing, you know, it was God's grace to us. And you know, God in his goodness realizes, he knows our weakness, he knows our littleness. Some of us, if we had gone down that road, we'd never recover. So like Trez of Lezou said, God prevented her from sin. He went ahead of her and removed the obstacles. Sometimes God goes ahead of us and removes the obstacles, but sometimes God allows us to fall because he gives us free will and we push the envelope a little, you know, we're a little rebellious and we don't want to listen, we don't want to learn. We don't want to cooperate. We want to do it our way, you know, Have it your way. Um, you deserve a break today. Let's just take it easy. Um, no, We need to live a life of union with God. In order to do that, we need to pray every day. So pray every day. If you can go to mass every day, spend time before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament every day. Go 10, 15 minutes early to mass. Fall in love with God. Our relationship with God is about love. Just like the family should be about love. But we live in such a disordered world where sin has become so prevalent that people, you know, even when we try the hardest, we think of ourselves before we think of others. Even if we're serving our family, we're thinking about ourselves. It's like, Lord, deliver me. You know, Lord, help me help my stupid, stupid self. Help me get over myself so that I can really truly serve. Serve my neighbor for love of you. So that when we meet Jesus on the last day, he will say, yeah, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless and you sheltered me. I was in prison or sick and you visited me. And we want to bring the light of Christ to all of those who are in the darkness of woundedness and sin. Those who have been lied to about their goodness and their beauty and their truth They've been lied to about being made in god's image. They've been lied to about their sexual identity It's in your chromosomes. You're either male or female. God doesn't make confusion You're either male or female and yeah, there are those rare exceptions Although what's interesting is children apparently born with both external organs sexual organs yet their chromosomes are specific. Their chromosomes are not confused. So look at the chromosomes and then ask God to accept yourself for who you are, not for the lies that sin and the world, the flesh and the devil have fed you, but to know that you are beautiful and good, made in God's image as a person to be loved, that you are dearly beloved to him, that he wants you to be his child He wants you to be a temple of his dwelling. If you're not baptized, pray. Ask the Lord for the grace to be able to be baptized so that God can dwell in you personally and intimately in his own personal life. God is God and we are not. He loves us so much that when we were yet sinners, when we were estranged from God by our sin, he sent his son. The church hasn't changed her teaching. There may be things in this document that are confusing. But take what is clear, the teaching on marriage and family. Take what is clear that the church cannot bless homosexual sex, homosexual unions, or unions of those who are not married. A man and a woman living together without the benefit of marriage or living together in adultery. The church can't bless that. She can only bless what will truly lead you to God. And that is goodness and truth. So ask to know the truth. Pray every day. Pray the rosary. Read your scripture. Pray the chaplet of mercy. Find a patron saint. You know, there's a patron saint for everything, by the way. There's a patron saint for everything. So find the patron saint and ask that person to pray for you and help you in your struggles along the way. God is good and He loves us. Yeah, He loves us just as we are, but He loves us too much to leave us that way. He wants to remake us in the image of His own divine Son. You know, someone—the image of—take the baby Jesus into your arms and look into His eyes, and and then see His reflection and and allow yourself to be made like Him in love. Ask the Lord to fill you with His love to heal the wounds to give you the truth, and to open you to the truth so that you can know him and love him in freedom and in truth. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year.